Hey, security peeps, we are back again this week. We are doing our Breaking into Cybersecurity series. I am Renee Brown-Small, and I am the author of Magnetic Hiring, a book focused on cybersecurity recruiting. I am here with two phenomenal people today, my fabulous co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everyone, Chris. Hi, everyone. Awesome. And Katia Dean, our special guest for today. Say hi, hi to everybody, Katia. Awesome. So everyone, I want to get started by just sharing with you why we started this series. Um, we are, this is a special series this month for the month of December. We're having all University of Maryland University College grads on, and Katia is a grad from UMUC. So woo woo, we're excited. I know. So Chris and I both get a ton of, have gotten over the course of the last couple months, a ton of requests around how to break into the industry. And the reason why we started this webinar series, web, webinar podcast series, is to share with people who have recently interviewed people who have recently broke into the, into the, um, into the field within the past five years and have you share, <laughs> excuse me, have you share your um, experiences with folks who are trying to break in now. So we are going to jump right in. Katia, we want to know all about you. Katia is actually here in Ashburn, Virginia, so we're all local. We should have done this all like, we should have met oh, up in yeah. a location, right? <laughs> so she's here in Ashburn, um, and we are excited to have you. We want to hear all about how, who you are, what, how you got interested in security, and what made you, you know, get into this crazy field? Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Katia Dean. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Woo woo. Um, I got my bachelor's in electronic engineering from Cleveland State University, May 2013. Um, I realized when I was at home that, you know, the job market wasn't really that well, so I decided to move to southern maryland aka boondock man as i call it um i moved there may 2013 where i got my first position as a system test engineer for northrop grumman i was there for a year and a half um, i had to look for positions because the contract was ending so after that my next position was um a a uh, cyber engineer for PMA 274, which is the presidential helicopter program. That's also um, at Pax River. And while I was there, um, I was volunteering for a STEM event for young girls, making sure that they were interested in STEM, volunteering for the workshop. So they had a workshop about cybersecurity. And I never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. So it was during appreciation night. They talked about the workshop. And I said, hmm, that sounds interesting. Let me see what it's about. So the next year, I had volunteered for the workshop. And I said, oh, this is something, you know, I want to do. But I didn't know what school I wanted to go to. So a friend had recommended UMUC. So I went to UMUC, did their um, webinar about what cybersecurity is, what it's about. Um, because I was nervous at first because I thought that cyber was all about hacking and I don't like programming. So I said, I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't want to do programming. But once I did the webinar, I saw that it was more than just hacking. So I got my uh, master's from UMUC December last year. Woo um, I got that done within a year. 
uh, prior to me getting my master's, I still worked full time. Um, I know I knew that I had wanted to get ahead, so I know I had to move up to the Northern Virginia area. So the way I did that was I went to a restart hiring event for clear people since I have a secret clearance. Um, so I had to drive two hours, uh, two hours for this hiring event, and I was able to get um, a position before I graduated. So that was very exciting. Um, however, I had to move right away also. So last year of December, I had graduated with my master's. And then two weeks later, I had to move to Northern Virginia. So my new position um, was a senior technical manager and I supported the Air Force and I was able to work at the Pentagon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so prior to that, um, I was there for 10 months. Unfortunately, I wish I was able to stay longer, but the contract had ended in September. So right now um, I'm unemployed. However, I'm going through this clearance process so I can get a top secret clearance. Um, I'm almost at the end. The new company I'll be working for soon. Um, I should be over there in the next couple of weeks or so. Okay. So that's my story. So awesome. tell us um, about what your frame of mind was when you heard about the the cybersecurity uh, appreciation night, um, some of your concerns a little more, and your investigation process into digging into that, and um, what made you interested? Uh, well, for the STEM event, when I did the workshop, the girls, um, I was just one of the team members, so the girls had the opportunity to do a workshop where they hacked into a system, they had to decode some things, and it was just like a walk walkthrough process. Uh, when I got into my first cybersecurity course, since I did the technology portion, um, that program, you got a little bit of everything. So I had a digital forensics class. I got introduced to digital forensics. I did some policy, got introduced to that. So I went that path since I knew that cybersecurity was a broad topic. I mean, like a broad area. So I just really couldn't focus on one thing. I wanted to see like what it had to offer. So when you thought about when your friend recommended that you go and do a degree, because some people, people have had different paths. So some people that have transitioned have done so without getting a degree, only getting certifications. Um, you know, many obviously have gotten degrees. So, and I know you zoomed through yours. You were like super fast. You got that completed in a year. So talk to us about what it was that your friend said that said, hey, you know, you should go, you should do this program in particular and then be, um, how were you able to get it done so fast? <laughs> Cause I'm crazy. No, just that. Um, <laughs> with me, um, I am like a time management person, I guess. So I'm one of those people where I set a goal and I go like through a three, six month or a nine month, uh, goal. I really can't explain it really. Um, I just knew that I wanted to get done really fast. So I have one example. Um, I had a di the digital forensics class. That class was 11 weeks. It was only four projects, but this particular time we didn't have a group project, so that was really good. 
So for some ungodly reason, I just looked at the calendar and I said, I'm going to get done with this class in seven weeks. I didn't know how. I'm just going to get done in seven weeks. So I actually got done in seven weeks. Uh, one of the challenging uh, projects in that particular class was the penetration test because that one took a longer time with the programming. And I know a little bit about programming, but I also knew that if you didn't put the like semicolons or capitals incorrectly, your program would be messed up. So I decided to do that project first. And most of my classmates noticed that I was one of the students that always asked questions. I didn't care what it was. I just always asked a question. And they saw, you know, I took the initiative, asked questions, and then when I find something out, then I let the other classmates know. So, I mean, you can't leave anybody hanging. When you find something, you know, let them know. So I guess I would just say time management. That's just what I have. And I was just determined to get it done within a year. Right. And your friend who convinced you, mm -hmm. had that person been a part of the program before or had they gotten their degree through it or they just heard really good things about it? Yeah. So what it was, my friend, she just said UMBC was a really good school. So I said, oh, OK. And I had knew um, for me um, during the STEM event since I said, hey, that's cybersecurity. And I heard UMBC was a really good school. So I just basically did my research on UMBC. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, hey, they have all these different programs. They're getting a lot of good reviews. So I said, hey, let me just try them out. And they had the webinar. So once I looked at the webinar and I was like, oh, I could do this. I just signed up. It was just, <laughs> let me just go for it. So you, you mentioned that the program was a really wide program and you had a little mm -hmm. bit of everything. Um, considering that you didn't like the programming aspect to begin with, um, mm -hmm. Did that view change throughout the program? And was there a specific area that you uh, gravitated to uh, during the program that you came out stronger and you're like, this is where I'd like to focus my career on? No, I still don't like program. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. It's just me, me and my programming. I just don't really care too much for programming. Um, I would say most of um, the projects we have is really well, um, really, not really good. So most of them, you know, we did a lot of research, um, like one was about risk management. So we would have to have a course about a problem. And then we would have to look at the different NIST requirements and have recommendations and write a uh, paper about that. Um, I also liked our group projects uh, because that we were interacting with people from like all over the world. Um, most of the time, some of my classmates was on the East Coast, but I remember one project where I had one of my students, he was on the West Coast, and he was old, what I call older people seasoned, so he was more seasoned than us. Um, so I don't know. I'm just one of those people. I just, I don't really have anything that I said, hey, I want to do this. I just go for it. I just, whatever floats my boat, I just go. <laughs> So coming out of it, is there a specific field that uh, it opened your eyes to that you didn't understand before and that you would want to progress or you're still kind of figuring out where you want to go within cybersecurity? Um, with me, it would be more so of the, like I'm on more so of the, like the management side. So eventually I would like to be a CISO um, since 
coming from my previous work experience, I'm used to interacting with different people, uh, collaborate with different people, attending meetings, and just interacting. So once I get more into the, I just say that, I would say probably like the IT side, then I'll be like more magical. Right. So when you were initially starting to do your search for a job, so when you were in the other location, you're still taking classes and you're starting to search. Tell how many, how many, um, how many resumes and how many like you know applications did you do and how many interviews? Because yeah, we we definitely like to know that because people when they hear our prior guests say you know they submitted 200 applications, they you know had 30 interviews. We want people to realize, like, you know, what it's like to actually go mm-hmm. through that and come out of it on the other side with a cybersecurity job. So now tell with, us about yours. Yes. Um, now, with me, um, when I was at Northrop Grumman, I noticed that our contract was coming to an end. Um, since I had my engineering background, I started looking at engineering positions. At that point in time, I didn't care what kind of engineering position it was. Um, I was just going on interviews. So from my personal experience, um, most of my interviews were two interviews. So I would do a phone call and then the person-to-person interview. During that time, I was I had a total of just say 12 interviews altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and my job search at that particular time, I would just focus on a job title. And then I would like, look at the requirements. So I know some people, uh, we go through this all the time. Sometimes you get tired because you're tired of denials. And they say, no, 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 no. So what I had did was my resume was already on Indeed. I had stopped for a minute. I said, let me take a break. I'm still working. Let me just take a break. So I got a message on my um, LinkedIn account. Hey, I, I think you would be a great fit for this position. I want to talk to you. So I'm like, great. So um, I ended up having an interview with the president of a company. Uh, this is a smaller company. Um, so I was able to get the position. So I want to say that it's going to be hard to look for a position. You're going to go on a lot of interviews. Um, with me being a DOD contractor, I'm somewhat used to the contractor world. So for me, I have to be on top of job positions and what's going on because sometimes I could be at the job for a year. I could be at the job for a couple months. You know, sometimes you never know. Um, I will say this, um, looking at different articles, um, I posted about it a few weeks ago, that it was a good article that came out that three ways to have a good job search. So one is focus on the industry. So whatever industry you decide to go into, let's just say healthcare or the bank side, information technology side, defensive space, aerospace, focus on that industry. Then focus on the company. So look at Glassdoor reviews, try to find somebody on LinkedIn that worked there, how is their work experience, and then focus on the role. Because if you just focus on the role and just look up just a job title, then you're going to get confused. Because uh, SOC analyst at um, MITRE can be different than a SOC analyst at Deloitte. So sometimes you can't focus on the job title you have to switch up your job search i think that you you know you gave such 
specific and awesome advice to people because um, going through and really understanding the industry, understanding the challenges at the various companies, and then drilling down to the role is such a really good way to narrow your job search and get really, really um, almost inside the company. So understanding like, you know, with healthcare, what's happening, what the issues are, what the challenges are in the financial services industry, what the challenges are. Um, and you being a, a DOD when, you know, I just want to share for everyone, DOD obviously is the Department of Defense um, contractor. I learned this coming down into this area, to the Washington, D.C. area after living in New York pretty much all my life, is that it is completely different. You know, like these, the, the contract world is so different and the roles are one year, two years. Some people, sometimes you may get it, you know, the company may get the contract or they lose the contract and then you're back out there interviewing again. So contractors tend to always be interviewing, which is, um, you know, a good skill to have. Like you're always on because you know that this is not some something that you're going to be, a company you're going to be with potentially for five or 10 years or whatever. So really good advice. Chris? Is there any challenges, um, since we're talking about the DOD contractor um, type lifestyle, is there any pros or cons that you would share with individuals that are considering that lifestyle, especially in uh, cybersecurity? Yes. Um, the pros are um, you would get exposed to different areas of cybersecurity. Uh, sometimes depending on what your job is, um, for instance, with me, um, when I was at Northrop, even though I was a system test engineer, I interacted with the technicians on the floor. I interacted with the logistics department. So once you interact with different people, you can add those certain skills to your resume or add those skills when you're trying to um, promote yourself for a position, because sometimes you don't realize that those very small um, tasks that you did will actually help you within your cybersecurity career. Uh, the cons would be, honestly, I'm just gonna keep it real. Sometimes it's stressful because you have to um, be alert. You have to look out for the um, red flags, you know, when a contract is, about to come to an end, so sometimes you have to you have to um, be ahead of the game, and you know look out for yourself. I would say that um, attending cyber events, volunteering, being active on LinkedIn uh, could really help you out. I know some people feel like though, why we don't have too much to talk about? If you just say hi, or just share like a brief story what you do online, then that'll be fine. Because I used to be like that too. I used to say, I don't really have nothing to talk about. And the one post I did when I went to the one cyber event a couple of weeks ago was the, uh, it was from UNBC. And it was about the student's perspective of um, being in cybersecurity. I just wrote about that and wrote about what I observed. And that post went everywhere. <laughs> um, so, and I get requests now. Um, but that post went everywhere. So I would just tell people, um, get out there. Don't be afraid. Also, with their LinkedIn profile, you might not notice this, but recruiters are looking and some are active. So let's just say you have 500 plus connections, but your LinkedIn account looked like you just started yesterday. So if I'm a recruiter and I'm looking at your profile, you're not really giving me that much 
information about you just looked bland or you didn't fill it out all the way. So I would tell people to really sit down, think of a good summary, add your personality in there. It doesn't have to be all robotic. Um, get like a catchy headline and just share your experience. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. That's something that um, I've I've tried to do over the years, um, not just your experience and especially I, I would say for you or the DOD community, um, when you're working in a classified environment, it, it's it's hard to not describe what it's hard to describe what you're working on because you're not allowed to talk about what you're working on. So you have to find a way to translate um, what results you can bring for um, future employers that are looking at your profile. But you're right, having um, some information there that relates to your experiences and your skills um, is definitely helpful. Um, at least when I look at someone's profile. Uh, Another additional, go ahead, Katie. I just wanna add this one thing. Um, I know certain um, certain people, you know, might have a gap in their um, employment history. So for my, from my experience, for me, I would have like a I don't know, six month gap right now or however the case. So for me, for instance, if I'm looking for a position, my response would be, one, my contract was ending. Well, my contract ended. My contract ended. But during that time, while I was looking for employment, I did some sidebar courses. I'm not probably <laughs> Some sidebar courses on the side, um, being active on LinkedIn, sharing advice. So I think as long as people see that you're still active or doing preoccupying your time while you're still looking, I think like that employment gap won't be as bad. And and you mentioned volunteering your time, um, volunteering for a, a charity or a nonprofit um, definitely counts as experience, and uh -huh. you, you do gain skills there, and you should document that. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. So one of the points that you made already, um, Katia and Chris, is about the LinkedIn profile, and you know, I, I was reading something the other day that said it's not optional to have a blank or, you know, not optimized LinkedIn profile because from the from the recruiting side, like when I'm looking at, I have the, the recruiter tool, I can see um, not only, you know, what you all see, but more in depth in recruiters and hiring managers that have access to do keyword searches, to do job posting postings. What happens is that when we post a position the people who have the most, the best optimized LinkedIn profile, their profiles pop up first against the positions. So that's another thing for people to realize that they might not understand and they might not know on top of just being engaging and being a part of the community and having, you know, an optimized LinkedIn profile for somebody like me or you to look at when recruiters and hiring managers that are paying for recruiter seats can actually have, you know, it's more robust and you can see the skill sets against your jobs, the keywords against the jobs. There's a ranking and it will rank you up high based on how detailed your LinkedIn profile is. If you have just your resume, it doesn't go into the resume and pull anything. It goes into, um, it, uh, it only looks at the profile. So I tell people a lot, you know, you want, you definitely want to have that, um, 
that kind of a LinkedIn profile. So a robust LinkedIn profile so that you are coming up in searches. And like the both of you said, before you before anyone accepts anybody's LinkedIn, they're going to skin, you know, they're going to look up and down and see what's what's going on there. So so really great points, Katia. Awesome. Um, I also want to add like a couple more things because I see we are almost out of time. Um, yes. Some resources, <laughs> some resources that helped me. You know, I just want to re-emphasize again. Um, I would like to say uh, work on your soft skills. I know a lot of people say, "Well, I'm an introvert and I'm a little shy." I'm an introvert too, but uh, sometimes I turn off the switch <laughs> and um, and I bring out my extrovert side sometimes. Um, attend cyber events. Network with people on LinkedIn. If anyone requests me as a friend, please add like a little note. Um, share your stories on LinkedIn. Um, I would like to say that Kirsten, for sure, I asked her name before I got on here. Um, her book, Secure the InfoSec Bag, really helped me out a lot. And I actually used some of her tips to actually help me with my job, job position that I'm going for right now. Um, find, find a mentor in your program or your field, field of study. Um, I'm going to put the other link for the article that I mentioned earlier about changing your job search approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to, this just from my personal experience, um, since I came from like a bigger company and then I went to a smaller company, from my experience, I would tell uh, job candidates to look at a smaller company, probably a company like that's around 50 to 200 or probably 200 to 500 employees because you will have a better chance with um, growth going to different areas within that company versus not to knock down a big company, but when you're at a big company, you're just a number. So I just want to make sure people know that as well. So don't forget about the little people that you haven't heard of because they're actually some good companies. To, to add to that, um, I think something to consider when when you're in a big company, you're brought in as um, a special tool or a special part of a big process. Mm-hmm. So you're expected only to do this little this little piece of the overall picture. When you're part of that smaller company, your piece grows bigger um, due to the smaller scale of the organization. So you're expected to do a lot more. So those coming into the industry, um, working for a smaller company, while you'll gain experience across the board in a company, um, but working in a bigger company would allow you to specialize. So it's kind of you have to choose what you want to do. Do you want to specialize in doing that one thing? Then working for a big company would allow you to do that. Um, If you want to get across the board experience, working for a smaller company allows you to um, exemplify that. Yeah, I also want to, um, and I, I know we're at, we're right at half an hour, so I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, Katia, please do me a favor and put Kirsten's, the link to Kirsten's book up, because it is amazing. I read that book, and, you know, she totally gets kudos for me. And Chris usually asks our final question of the day, so go for it, Chris, before if, if we sign one, off. If you had one piece of sage advice, um, what would that be? Don't give up. That's not yep. I can say. Don't well. Two things. Don't give up, and always have a positive attitude. It's excellent. Definitely. Perfect well, advice. Thank you so much.
You're welcome. Yes. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, everyone, for coming on for another episode of our Breaking into Cybersecurity series. Next week, I think we have Antoine King, who is a uh, uh, another student from you or a former student from UMUC and we'll have UMUC students all month in December talking about how they've broken into the industry. Thanks again, Katia. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thank you. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Thank you. you. Too.